Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Turn to somebody and tell them the door is open. I'm not talking about that door back there because it's not time to leave yet. The door is open. The door is open. The, come on, say it again. The door is open. This is going to mean more to you in just a moment, but just get it in your mouth. The door is open. The door is open. The door is open. There are a lot of what ifs in this life. Lots. We go through them every day, really. Long term, short term plans and goals. What we're going to eat. What if uh, you took that new job? Or what if you tried? What if we moved? Or what if we uh, gave this another chance? What if we tried harder? What if we asked for advice? What if uh, it works? Hmm? Or what if it doesn't work? What if, what if, what if, what if? But I want to help you understand something, that the life of the believer is not a life made up of what ifs. The life of the believer is actually one made up of assurances, yes. truths, absolutes, yes. things that we can cling to and hold on to in the midst of the uncertainties and the what-ifs. They're in this world and, and living in this body and having the body experience and the mind that we have, which is a beautiful gift from God, yet it is limited in its understanding. It is a finite mind. And so to comprehend and understand and experience things from the infinite, the spirit from God, who is a spirit, there has to be some access into that because God is sure. He is totally sure of himself. Matter of fact, he's so sure of himself and, and what he has said, the scripture says that it's actually impossible for God to lie. Imagine that. Don't you wish that was true for us? It's impossible for God to lie because he is the essence of goodness and truth and righteousness and what is good and justice. He is God and he is good and he can't lie. It's impossible for God to lie, which means what he says he will do, he'll do. And if he has made that promise, then that promise is true. Now, that part is true. The other part is our experience of that promise or of that truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Notice he did not say truth will make you free. But the truth that you come to know. That's where you find freedom. You access that. You take action. You make the decision. You choose to believe. And when you choose that knowledge, God's knowledge, and don't reject it and don't fight it and don't argue with it, but simply accept it, that's when all the potential for freedom comes into your life. The scripture says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope is kind of out there, right? It's this confident expectation, but it's a bit ethereal. But the scripture says faith is the substance of that which is hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All right, the fact that you believe means there's evidence that what you believe is true regardless of 
you seeing it or not seeing it in the natural. Faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is not crossing of the fingers. It's not another way to rub a, rub, rub a, rub a rabbit's foot. Rub a rabbit's foot. It's, it's not a roll of the dice. It is more sure than that. It is a substance and it is an evidence. And that's why the scripture teaches us as believers, our life is this process of why we do not look at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen, for the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. And you think, well, how am I not supposed to look at what I can see, and how am I supposed to see what I can't see? Welcome to the Christian experience. And the way that's going to happen is by faith. And God has dealt to every man and woman, man by mankind, I'm not here being exclusive, uh, the measure of faith. And then Jesus teaches us something about faith, that faith is something that grows. It's like if you have faith as a mustard seed. There are a lot of misconceptions about the people who say you've got to have faith the size of the mustard seed. No, that's not what Jesus said. He said if you have faith, if it's about that, the size of the mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be removed. And I don't even have that much faith. Man, I got way little, little bitty faith. No, he's saying faith like a mustard seed. Because with mustard seed, when it is planted, though it is a very small seed, when it is planted, when it is planted, it grows and then becomes one of the larger trees from that little bitty seed. Everything, all the potential of that tree is found in that little bitty seed. And your faith in Jesus is a seed. It's a gift he gives you. And then he says, now cultivate that, water that thing, plant it, and grow your faith. Grow your faith. And, and, that, and so we continue to grow our faith because our faith needs to grow. I mean, uh, if, if Jesus was just fully excited about the level of faith we are at, then he has some explaining to do to his disciples. Oh, you have little faith. That's what you tell them. Oh, you have little faith. You got, you got, you're going along and then it's over. Even Peter got out on the water and walked. He and only one other person can say that they've done that. They walked on water. He and Jesus. And when he's walking out there toward the Lord, guess what? He sees what? Oh, wait. I'm not supposed to be doing this. Look at this storm. Look at this wind and waves. And he starts all of a sudden getting his eyes off of what Jesus said. Come. That's what empowered him to come. Was that word that he could stand on even on the water. He's walking on that word, come, that invitation. And there he is out there, as my dad used to say it like this. He said, just imagine the word C-O-M-E. And he stepped out there, he's on the sea, on the sea. And he starts looking around, all he sees is, oh me. <laughs> he becomes afraid and begins to sink. But he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus reaches down and takes him up. Don't you love our merciful and gracious God? And the, think about this. Jesus said to him, Oh, you have little faith. Wow, Jesus, how about them scaredy cats all bunched up in the boat? They didn't even try. And you're rebuking this guy. Yeah. Yeah, because we need to understand something in a moment like this. There's something that we need to understand that is so important to God, and it is our believing him. And, and, and our believing him to the utmost. To the place where we're not moved by our circumstances. We're not letting life happen to us. We're not just 
taking the punches and say, well, what, what, you know, adopting all these phrases, well, what will be, will be, que sera, sera, you know, everything happens for a reason. Just kind of floating around through life, letting stuff happen to us, and God must have a plan. Yeah, He does have a plan. He needs you to have faith. He created you like Him so that you would be on this earth and rule where you are and to dominate and to be fruitful and to multiply and to be blessed in the earth. Not just be one of those who is moved by your circumstances, but one of those who believes that when He speaks, those circumstances will change. See, He didn't make circumstances more powerful than you. He made you like Him. But so many people are asleep to that. They're not aware of it. And there's all these opportunities around us every day. And God has open doors for you. And while we are optimistic and while we are looking for those things, my family, when you see it, don't just see the opportunity, you must then seize it. It's time to be decisive, to know when to be decisive, and know to take action on that truth that the door is open. And this came to me the, earlier this year. I was speaking at a conference in Kerrville, Texas, and Pastor Bert Wimberly, who is, um, well, because of him, my wife speaks in tongues today, so that's a good thing. Um, we were just kids back then. Went to a young adults retreat, and Pastor Bert was speaking on the baptism of the Spirit. And my little soon, I wasn't even, we, weren't, we weren't even engaged yet, were we? So we were only dating like two weeks because we got engaged like three weeks after we were dating. So it was like somewhere around there. And uh, she, she began to speak in other tongues and life changed. But Pastor Bert uh, was, has this conference every year at his church called Word First. And so they dedicate the first week of the January and have different speakers come in. I've been going there six, seven years now speaking at this conference. Awesome deal. I love the whole approach of it, you know. And then... But while he was up there, he said that the Lord gave him this word, the doors open. And, and man, when he said it, it's like it just went all the way down in my spirit. And I heard the Lord say, that is for you and your church. Yeah. And so, and I was about to get up and speak, uh, but I didn't want, I mean, I was happy to be there. But I wanted to just soak in that word for a little bit and just kind of meditate on the, the, the doors open. And so it, it just took me on this course of going through scriptures and, and looking at the word just in a fresh light of this truth that the door is open. And this is and will be the theme of our church throughout this year. So that because we are, it's necessary that we go from a place of expectation to a place of living in what we expect to having it in our lives. For those things that are out there in the ethereal, by faith, the substance and the evidence, we see them materialize before us. Come on, can I get a good amen? Good amen. That, that, that we go from confessing healing to living in healing. Yeah. We go from confessing blessing and increase to living in it. But it all starts here. Everything. Everything about our makeup, everything about our existence is about what's coming out of our mouth. So I want to take us to a scripture for just a moment. Wow, we're almost out of time. I won't go through all this. There's always next Sunday. That's what I got to tell preachers. I train preachers at Christ for the Nation. I tell them, you don't have to give them everything in one Sunday. They, they will appreciate that. And remember, you've got next Sunday. So just save some. All right? Anyway, 
it's hard for young people to get that, but they do. And then when they turn old, it kind of go back to that old, that same thing. Anyway, it's a different. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, the Apostle Paul says something powerful here. First Corinthians 16, for a great and effective door has opened to me. For a great and effective door has opened to me. I wish there was a period there. I wish that verse stopped right there. That's all I need to know. There's a great and effective door open to me. And there are many adversaries. Man. Can I pick what part of that verse I want? There is a great and effective door. Now, this is not just any door. This is a great and effective door. But you have to know, if you're going to experience the great and effective thing, <laughs> don't pretend for one second to think that the devil's just going to lay down and let that happen. That he's not going to fight you. That he's not going to resist you. That even the ways of this world, or even your own flesh, and your own thinking and reasoning, will fight you on this. That's why you need faith. There'd be no need for faith if there was no resistance. Scripture says fight the good fight of faith because that's the fight that you win. You get out here in the flesh and you start making your battle between flesh and blood when the Scripture says our war is not with flesh and blood. You get way off course. A lot of people get hurt. Stuff gets screwed up. And then you got to carry regret around with you and guilt. No, no, no. We have a fight to fight. It's a good fight of faith. And this fight, this fight is one that you come out the victor every time. A great and effective door is open to me, and there are many adversaries. This is the, this is the reality of it right here. Jesus said, in the world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've already overcome the world. Now think about that. Isn't that wonderful? We usually get happy when things are going right. But he says, in the world you have trouble, so woohoo! Be of good cheer! Now, that's not really the reason why we have cheer. The reason why we have cheer is because he's already overcome. Every trouble that you're facing, Jesus has overcome that in some way or another. And so then he is the solution, and he has the solution to help you overcome. Amen. Well, this is good. That's why I'm saying we have such an advantage as believers as opposed to those who are outside of a relationship with God because we get to know things God knows, and the more we get to know that he knows, the more he gives us, the more freedom that we walk in. And the less binding this, the things of this world become. Um, I want to take for just a moment. Can you give, who give me five minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20, 25. All right, 25 minutes. It's an old joke, but it's still good. All right. Numbers 13. Numbers chapter 13. You know what you call a computer floating out in the middle of the ocean? Adele rolling in the deep. Thank you, Justin. Okay, that's nonsense. Numbers chapter 13. Now, what has happened here, in the, we're coming up into the kind of the middle of a story that God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob many years ago, especially started with Abraham, that get up, get out of your house. I'm going to take you to a land. I'm, it's going to get, I'm going to give it to you and all your descendants, and you're going to be blessed in the earth. And so 400 plus years later, 430, actually about four, yeah, 400 and somewhere, 30 plus years later, here they are. It took a long time. 
But he said, you and your descendants. And so Moses had brought the children of Israel out of Egypt by miracles and signs and wonders from God. They got them out of there. And now they are going to uh, head into the promised land. All right. Well, um, so Moses sends out these spies, 12 spies, one representing a tribe of Israel. There are 12 tribes in Israel, and they had one spy per tribe, and they sent them over into this land that God had promised to spy it out, to check it out. So they were there for 40 days, scoping it out, taking notes, and uh, of all their findings and all their discoveries and what's there. And So they come back, and they're going to give a report. So here's the report that comes to Moses, verse 27. Look at this. Numbers 13. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. They brought back this massive uh, um, uh, thing of grapes, this vine of grapes, brought it in and, and showed it to them. This is the fruit. In other words, what they're saying is it is as God told us it was because God did tell them, I'm going to take you to that land flowing with milk and honey, and this is a good land, and, but that wasn't the end of it. And I'll, we'll get to that in just a moment. Look, look the next thing. Nevertheless, here's the problem. These neverthelesses come up in our lives and ruin, shipwreck our faith. But, yeah, it does. It's there. But the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Anak? Well, who's Anak? You did not say Anak, did you? Yes, Anak. Well, who's Anak? Anak was the progenitor of a race of giants. So not only are they strong, but they're big, they're tall, they're ominous, and they live in fortified cities. So, eh. Look, verse 29. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, all the Ittites, the Tites, the Tites, the Tites, dwell in the mountains with the Canaanites, dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. In other words, this place is full of people, strong people, big people, people that hate us, people that want to kill us. They're everywhere. Yeah, that's great. There's milk and honey, in the, but, but we've got a lot of trouble out there. Look, behind this door is a hornet's nest. Next, verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession. Do you see that? Let us go up at once. The time for talking is over. We're going to talk ourselves out of this promise if we keep trying to reason this, if we keep looking at what we're seeing, if we keep focusing on the obstacles, if we keep looking at the hindrances, we're not going to go, and God promised it to us. Let us go up at once. Shut up. Let us go up at once and take possession. See, God has promised it to you, but you've got to take possession of it. He needs you in this deal. Amen, because he gave you choice. For we are well able to overcome it. All you're doing is looking at their ability, their height, their strength, their walled cities. But we are well able. This is not going to be just, it's not even going to be close. We're well able to overcome it. Now watch. Man, they should have fired him up. They should have said, yeah, you're right, Caleb. What were we thinking? No, they didn't do that. The people kept putting comments. <laughs> But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger 
than we. Next, verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a, what? Land that devours its inhabitants. How about a little, come on. Now they're just exaggerating. They devour its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Well, first of all, you said it was the sons of Anak. Now you're saying everybody is. They're, Everybody's a giant. But this is how people get, right? You got to make it really bad. <laughs> it's going to be bad, let's make it really bad. And the more we keep talking in that way, the worse it gets. Right? If we're not getting the, the feedback, we're not getting the people that, oh, okay, then I need to let them know just how awful this is. Hmm? You need to start lying. Verse 33. There. We saw the giants. The sins of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers. Watch. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Because we saw ourselves like this, so do they. See, what they didn't realize was that Jericho, who they would later on come to Jericho, as soon as they came, did cross over to the promised land, it was a fortified city, had mighty men of valor, and God told Joshua, see, I've given you this city. Where? When did you do that? See, you don't see the open door, but that's exactly what you have. Your eyes see a fortified city. You see nothing but resistance, but I'm telling you the door is open. I have given it to you. See, see, he says, see. In other words, see what I'm seeing. See what I'm seeing. Now, you're not going to be able to do that in the natural. You're going to have to do that by faith. You have to believe what I say so that you can see what I'm seeing. See, I have given you this. See, God's promises are gifts to you. There's no question in his mind. He's already made the promises. And now Jesus, who died for our sins, was buried and rose again from the dead, has ensured to us now that all those promises are yes. But you have to see, 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 see. The door is open. This year, God has so many experiences for you behind an open door. Believe him. Speak his word. Claim that promise. Take action by faith. Be convinced of one thing, persuaded of one thing, that he is true to his word. And what God has promised you, he is able to perform it. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I don't know what circumstance you found yourself in. I don't know what kind of trouble that you're facing today. Some of you are in some real trouble. You need some help. You need, a, you need to see a way out. You've been just kind of bogged down with details and things, confusion. And this is, this, God is not the author of confusion. He's the author of peace. All right? So I want you today, you have a need. I want you to just lift your hands here today and say, Father, help me today. Lord, I don't want to just see that the door is open. God, help me. Give me the courage. Give me the know-how. Give me 
that step to walk through it. Show me, God. Lord, I, I believe your word. And I choose today to not allow my circumstances to move my life. I'm not going to make my decisions based on whether my circumstances are good or bad. No, no, no. I have something more sure than that. And that is my faith is in you. And you're on my side. And you love me. And you care for me. And you have for me a future and a hope. There is now in my life an open door. Thank you, Father. And by your grace and by your help, I'm going to walk through the door. I'm not going to be paralyzed by fear. I'm not going to be paralyzed by uncertainty. I'm not going to be paralyzed by, well, it didn't work before, by past experiences. I choose today to believe God and none else. And I hold to your word today. And I thank you, Lord. I invite you into my life, into my situation. In Jesus' name. Maybe it's, it's a first thing for you to have any kind of, in communicating with God, maybe this would be a first experience for you. That The first thing, really, it all starts in believing Him. Believing that Jesus Christ, His Son, died for your sins. And you might not have realized that you needed that. But something on the inside of you, I don't know, there's something about mankind and we're all similar in this way. That we all sense something's not right. Something, there's a void, there's a darkness, there's something that is missing. We're all born with that innate thing. And that which is missing is Him. And because... And that void is, understand, it's like a separation, you know? And it is a separation, not by, because you did something, but because a man named Adam did. He sinned. He, the story of the garden, he ate the fruit, and the scripture says sin was passed down from him to everybody. You, you weren't made a sinner because you finally screwed up. No, you were made a sinner because you were born. It was your condition, just born that way. What else could you do except then God decided he's going to help you. Because he loved you, he gave up his son. And Jesus took upon himself. This is the amazing justice and grace of God. The, there, was, there was a payment for the sin. Jesus, the word says that death is the payment. The wages of sin is death. Somebody has to die for this. And Jesus willingly did so that you don't have to. Jesus died for our sins so that we don't have to die from our sins. And he became a curse for us, and he became the sin center of the world. And God did account all of our sins to his son, Every, all of our wrongdoings. Jesus got blamed for all the stuff I did, the stuff you did. He got blamed for it, and he took the blame. He took the consequence of death. And he really did die. There's only one way that he could die. God would actually have to credit him with our sin, because he never sinned. But he did die, which means... He really did take away the sins of the world. And because he did that, and they buried him in a tomb, but three days later he came up out of that grave alive, and the scripture says now he's seated at the right hand of God, and he's, he ever lives to make intercession for us. And Jesus has provided a way for us to escape the judgment and the consequence and the separation because of sin. And it's just this simple.
whoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. What a glorious thing. So if that's you and you've never had that experience, you've never really said, you know what? I accept what Jesus did for me. I accept. I believe it. I believe that he did that for me. And I accept it. I accept him as my savior, him as my substitute. He died the death I should have died so I could live the life that he came to give me. If you believe that today, scripture says you are made a new creation in Christ. Everything has become new. Old things are gone and new things have come. Believe on him today. Let him come into your life and bless you abundantly forever and ever. Now, Father, I thank you for your blessing on your people. Thank you, God, for grace and peace to be multiplied to them from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.